0: Welcome to Demogronomics. your insight to the powerful surprises ahead for the US economy. Demogronomics, where people make markets. And now, here is Mike Williams. Hello there and welcome to our latest podcast. It's Mike Williams here and we're going to call this one the $2 trillion failure. Before I get to that, I just want to give you a quick update. All of your uh, index and weekly portfolio updates have been uh, posted in your members area. The barbell economy portfolios, both the dividend growth income and growth equity, uh, continue to surpass uh, the averages, keeping a nice buffer for investors as they track those portfolios and implement as they wish. All of it is fully disclosed in your members area. We are roughly 400 basis points ahead of the market in those portfolios. That's about what you usually see this time of year, and at least it's been that way since 2011 when the barbell economy really began to take hold. But here's the deal. It's often difficult to separate the short-term noise from the underlying current of the economic structure that's unfolding. At the end of the day, people make markets I know that seems simplistic, but it's a fact and we can't get around it. We can talk about over or under on valuations. We can talk about high PEs or low. We can talk about Fed hikes or Fed cuts. We can talk about interest rates and currency shifts and geopolitical unrest and whether oil is high or low or cheap or expensive. At the end of the day, though, what counts more than all of the above, what actually drives all of the above for the long-term investor is people. Where are they? Where are they being born? What is their age curve? What's the bell curve of how many people are alive and what age are they at? Who stands where on the timeline of life? These are the questions we must always come back to as the ebb and flow of the market moves forward. It's climbing up a mountain, but what drives that mountain, what builds the mountain is, for example, how many people are teenagers? You can make certain predictable kinds of trend assumptions from knowing that. How many people are under 10 years old? How many people are between 20 and 30? How many people just went to college? How many people are gonna get out of college? How many jobs are there available? What kind of small businesses are being opened? This is the historical data. This is what has made the barbell portfolio so effective over the years. Let's be blunt. The US stands head and shoulders above all of our other competitive nations. We are the only developed economy that is steadily recreating its work population effectively. Meanwhile, China that gets all the news is aging faster than any nation on earth. Many other elements on this are covered inside, but suffice it to say that we are in great shape, which is astonishing given how much fear there is. Upside ahead remains the surprise, even as the emotional feeling of doom seems to claw at every member of the crowd and most of the topics in the media assume the same result mistakenly but that's the outcome that's automatically assumed. Let's just accept this. It's the time of year for this kind of chatter. Unfortunately that time of year is a cloudy period called summer. People go away, volumes drop, news picks up because they gotta get what few people are around attention. The second string guys are on board. Most people aren't paying attention. That's good. Got to be patient, but that's good. Let's go back to the title, the $2 trillion failure. We have heard for most of the time since March of 09 that we are in the middle of the, quote, weakest, weakest recovery on record. Let me say that again. Quote, weakest recovery on record, unquote. We have covered in this issue and in many others different ways to clear the cloudy view seen by too many. So we thought we'd try again with another perspective. Take this into consideration. Let's focus on the term weak recovery we keep hearing about. Here's the thing you might not realize. We always hear that we're getting lost in these small percentages of growth on our GDP. Would it surprise you to find out that since 1990, every single year we have created a new record high in GDP Except for one, 2008, sorry, sorry, apologize, 2009, 2009 was the only year since 1990 that did not set a new record high. Even this year, we're already at a new record high. Even though we're told it's a weak recovery, oh my God, it was a paltry Q1, paltry Q2 last year, paltry Q, the word paltry is way overused, weak recovery gets you lost in percentages instead of focusing on numbers. Here's some numbers for you. At the end of 2012, just a scant three and a half years ago, our GDP created was 16.155 trillion dollars itself a new all-time record at the time. Note further that each year since has yet set another record. Lastly, I want you to realize that we currently have a run rate with the latest Q1 soft growth of 18.1 trillion. By the way, GDP projections are already much higher than Q1, just like they have been for the last several years that had a bad Q1. But here's the thing. At 18.1 trillion, as we speak, we have increased over 2 trillion dollars in annual GDP growth during the last 42 months. We have increased two trillion dollars. Literally one eighth of what it was in 2012. We've gone another one eighth higher up the scale when it took to 2012 and all those years before it to just get to 16.1 trillion. Now, do we really want to refer to the $2 trillion increase in annual GDP output as a failure? Do we really want to do that? Mind you, this all took place while we were working through suffocating tax burdens that have been added to businesses all of the last eight years, added to workers and investors in America massive layers of new regulations, costs, and fees were added to tack on the higher costs and burdens brought on by the wonderful Obamacare to those who actually pay for it. And you might find it miraculous that we've continued to set records in GDP output. I would argue that as long-term investors, what we hear about as risks every other five minutes each day are unlikely culprits in the future. Instead, the real surprise lurking in the shadows would be if we could just change a couple of fiscal policies, this economy would race ahead in very surprising fashion. Once you let that domino fall over, we would also likely see some of the $8.2 trillion sitting in bank accounts doing nothing, finally moving back into investing in growth and productive results instead of sitting idle. The good news? It's been with us for now, now for so long that we no longer recognize it. It's become easier to fret over something, anything, rather than face the future, quote, risking a surprise to the downside, unquote. Wall Street has helped support the mystery of creating dozens and dozens of tools which manage risk for the weary masses. But even in light of this $2 trillion failure, just keep these thoughts in mind, sell-side analysts on Wall Street currently like stocks less than they did in March of 2009. (laughs) Their level of, quote, bullishness, which, by the way, is very low and bearish for our future, goes all the way back to the level seen in the late 80s Even once during the mid-90s as we had that pause in 94 and 95. That's about how they feel. Does anyone remember what the Dow was back then? Thousands and thousands of points lower. Even the Citibank internal panic euphoria model is well into panic territory again. And we've already noted that the AAII index is down to 19.3 bullish. Some people lastly have thought, hey, the election's coming up. Maybe I should just sell and get out until after the election because God knows that's going to be terrible, right? That's almost as foolish in a long-term investing plan as trying to figure out when to sell in May each year and when to get back in. History has told us repeatedly that the mass majority of investors, no matter their portfolio size, are terrible market timers. The effort requires we battle against our very worst enemy in the investing world, and that's ourselves. Rather, we might want to reflect for a moment and ask ourselves a few different questions. How did you think the stock market would react when President Clinton was impeached in December of 1998? Note the Dow then was 9,181. Or how did you feel about markets when uh, the all-too-hyped Y2K transition took place? The Dow then was 11,497. Worse, what about right after the 9-11 attacks? We were already getting hurt, but the Dow was 8,847 then. Or the Iraq invasion. You remember shock and awe. Everybody was watching the war on CNN. Front lines, remember? The Dow was 10,403. Or maybe even when the federal government had to step in and rescue all the banks and auto companies, the Dow was 10,850. What about March of 2009? That was a time to worry about what the future was, right? The Dow was 7,000. And then we have now. Terrible stuff in front of us, right? Doom. The Dow is 17,542. It's times like this to remind me of something I heard long ago from Mr. Buffett. He's been pretty successful in creating wealth in the markets. Here's what he said, "Quote, the most important quality for an investor is temperament, not intellect." Unquote. While more inside, more is inside in your members area for other updates, let's think about this for now. The summer doldrums are ahead. They are often laced with opportunity. This year should not be much different. Expect politics to take many headlines and the, quote, weak recovery to take more. Expect the media noise to get louder. Remember, as the masses go on vacation, there are fewer of us around and they have to speak louder in the media to get our attention. Beyond all that, though, stay focused on people. Think higher and more clearly. Think demographics, not economics. The U.S. is in great shape. Even better, like the GDP creep to annual record reports each year, covered above and with the added benefit of the deeply entrenched audience fears we've just focused on about our future, the more likely surprise is this. Pick a time, 3, 5, 10, 20 years from now. It's highly likely we're going to look back and say to ourselves, wow. Remember when you could buy the Dow at $17,500? Hope these thoughts have been helpful. Till we see you again gladly on the next podcast, may your journey be grand and your legacy significant.